This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hey, Jamie. Hey, Caitlin. Cowabunga. That's the intro? <laughs> yeah? Sorry. <laughs> Cowabunga. Is that? Sorry. Hold on. <laughs> I'm new here. Mm. When someone says cowabunga, is it um, generally considered polite? To return the cowabunga, or do you? Is it just to be received? Is it in a very cowabunga to you? Well, <laughs> I think normally it wouldn't be used as a a greeting. It's not like a. It's not a, aloha, it's not, <laughs> right? Okay, it's more a term of excitement. It's it's a not an expletive. What's the word? It's an exclamatory. Yes, it's an yeah. exclamatory. Okay, I am a linguist, so this is really helpful for me. <laughs> so cowabunga, it's it's a way of saying. Wow. Woohoo. We did it. How exciting. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And and a very cowabunga to you, Caitlin. Thank you so much. Yes. We were just joking since Jamie you mentioned that you're new here. You're you're rather new to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. Yeah, I'm extremely young, so that's <laughs> it's and it's hard for me. We were just joking off mic with our guest who we will introduce in a moment that he has a PhD in Ninja Turtles. I have a master's degree in both uh, turtles and screenwriting from Boston University, which of course I hate to mention. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> and we were joking that uh, you're like a freshman in high school when it comes to Ninja Turtles, Jamie. Yeah, I'm throwing back to my early days of the podcast where I'm like, I don't know anything. <laughs> but in this case, it is actually um, fairly true. TMNT mm-hmm is is outside of my purview i'm the new girl at school Mm. and i love homework so i'm excited (laughs) to learn in my yellow jacket that appears to be canonical but i don't think appears in this movie correct yes okay see i'm learning already she's got a little morton salt girl jacket (laughs) 
So this is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Secret of the Ooze episode of the Bechtel cast. Requested by everyone. We, our most popular request. People have yeah. just been clamoring. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Pride and Prejudice. Secret <laughs> of the Ooze. And we've done all of them pretty recently. So you're welcome. True. You're welcome. Uh, so this is the Bechtel cast, our show in which we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens. My name is Caitlin Durante. My name is Jamie Loftus. Cowabunga to you. Mm-hmm. Cowabunga to us all. Mm-hmm. Please. Oh, and everyone, if you're if you're sitting next to someone, we can make it like Sunday service. Could you turn to the person to <laughs> your left and say, uh, very cowabunga to you. And then turn to the person to your right and say a very cowabunga to you. And then let's just sit in our own cowabunga and then say cowabunga to yourself, you know? Yeah. I don't think we, we stop often enough to say cowabunga to ourselves. I tend to agree. That's self-care. That's just basic self-care. You yeah. sit, you breathe, you say cowabunga, you know? Yeah. Really feel each syllable in your mouth. I've been listening to a lot of guided meditations. What's the podcast? <laughs> about well i already said that but i didn't say what the bechdel test is sorry yes <laughs> what is it J- jamie maybe you need to take a minute and just like have a cowabunga i need to say cow i'm sorry i literally sorry i'm gonna pull back <laughs> okay um so uh the bechdel test is uh, yes. a media metric created by queer cartoonist allison bechdel sometimes called the bechdel wallace test mm-hmm. which we use as a jumping off point and it's a media metric where Uh, Our version is two characters of a marginalized gender Mm -hmm. have to have names, they have to speak to each other, and their conversation has to be about something other than a man, Mm -hmm. ideally for a meaningful exchange, something that's kind of, you know, plot relevant. Oh boy. Yeah. (laughs) And this movie, IDK. IK. UK. (laughs) IK, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but without much further ado, let us introduce our guest. Yeah. He is a recent PhD in sociology and Ninja Turtles. <laughs> He's a host of Play Hype Dialogue, a media podcast. He's an aspiring screenwriter. It's Carlos Camacho. Carlos! Hello. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> oh, we're Thank so excited you to have you. for being here. And to everyone who uh, cannot see our video call, which is all of you, Carlos is wearing a Bechtelkast Queer Icon t-shirt. It's mm-hmm. incredible. We love to see it. How are you, Carlos? Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really well in the moment. I'm really excited to be here to talk about the turtles. I revisited them for the first time in a while, so I'm I'm so excited. <laughs> Cowabunga, baby. Let's do this. <laughs> Tell us your your history, your relationship with this franchise. So I was born in 1989, so I was like primed for Taylor turtle Swift. fandom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Taylor Swift over here. <laughs> so um, I'm going to post this to my Instagram, but this is a stuffed Raphael from when I was a literal child. So mm-hmm. I've literally been around this uh, property my whole life. Um, my family is always getting me turtle stuff. Like it is very much um, something I've watched, read, uh, played video games of um, mm-hmm. stuffed animals, played turtles. Um, I've done all of it. It's been there from 
pretty much my inception <laughs> into this world. Nice. <laughs> That's so cool. Jamie, what about you? Nothing. Nothing. I think I briefly pretended in high school to know what it was and what it was about. But I just, I don't know. I, I, I think that TMNT, as I know they're called. Mm-hmm. It's like almost like a micro generational thing where it's like if you're born one or two years outside of the the target audience, you just missed it because they kind of I, I know that they like they still very much exist. It feels like as like everyone knows who they are, but I don't have any experience of like personality. I don't know. I know who the turtles are. I know who April is. And that was sort of all. So going into this movie was a treat. I do think I saw the Megan Fox one in theaters and then blacked it out yeah. uh, because <laughs> as it seems like most fans of the franchise did not a slight to Megan Fox at all because she has only been done disservices in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. So I, I hadn't had much experience with the franchise, but I always like liked them in theory, I was like, I don't think I have anything against these guys. They seem, I know they like pizza. I like pizza. Mm-hmm. I know they have the names of classical artists. Still haven't really cracked that. Don't really understand it. But uh, I'm on board. I'm ready to learn. And this movie was, first of all, a hoot and a romp. There's mm-hmm. a lot to discuss, which we will. Yes. Uh, but it was a hoot and a romp. And it was mercifully 88 minutes long. And it's actually 81 minutes with the credits. I and know. I just love when movies are that length. Same. Caitlin, what's your history with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I love these little turtles. Specifically <laughs> this movie. They're big, Caitlin. They're <laughs> not little Sorry. at all. They're, they're too big. <laughs> You're right. I love these these large turtles, specifically (laughs) this movie, because we were trying to figure out which turtles movie to cover. And I was like, I know this is the sequel, but I want to talk about this one. I don't want to talk about the first or the third or really any other installments in the franchise, because this is a movie I've seen probably like 50 times. Like it was just like on a loop in my house as a kid. Mm. I played with turtles toy like the action figures as a kid i had like the regular ones i had the astronaut ones i don't remember when or if they go to space at any point there's astronaut ones but i had astronaut turtle figurines and then a few years ago because my fandom has like i guess just always stuck with me and a few years ago i had i wrote a sketch called Sex and the Sewer. This I've seen many times. Thank you so much, Jamie. Uh, It's a combination of Ninja Turtles and Sex and the City, where I mapped each of the four turtles onto each of the four main Sex and the City characters, and I have them just out for a pizza cocktail, chatting about their horny turtle sex lives. It is my magnum opus, and uh, I'll post it on you know our Twitter or whatever. Uh, it's on YouTube if you if you search "sex in the sewer." I was recently introduced to it. Mm. It is hilarious. I loved every second of it. Comedy genius. Thank you Truly. so much. It is a classic of the genre, and I will stand by that till the day I die. Thank you very much. And speaking of Kawabunga, <gasps> it obviously makes an appearance in reference to. Bung being another name for like butt or anus. Why are um, you saying anus right now? <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a this is a family show. <laughs> um, I I I feel no need to defend myself. 
I'll say anus again. Oh my god. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, bung cowabunga, a hilarious joke, one of many in Sex and the Sewer. Anyway, I love this movie. Ten out of ten on the rompo meter. Oh yeah. There are many things to talk about. It's got some problems. I did not see the vanilla ice musical oh my number gosh. coming. <laughs> Imagine not knowing that was coming and the shock you feel when it starts. I, I simply cannot imagine. It was it was it felt really good. Mm-hmm. I w- I woke right up. I watched it pretty early in the morning and then all of a sudden it was it was wide awake. <sighs> Amazing. I'm pretty sure that my mother has home video footage of me performing that song in front of the television with vanilla ice (laughs) oh that's so sweet in college my best friend and i learned the dance that the turtles do to vanilla ice's ninja rap and we rehearsed it and we practiced it and we sometimes would do it at parties so is there video evidence of that because i would love to see it (laughs) unfortunately no drop the footage There's not, but I'll relearn it. We also settle for you doing it now. Yeah, it's like, let's just learn it. Yeah. We're already, the day we're recording this, we're already working on our magic mic choreography. So we might as well just throw another number into rehearsal. Exactly. All right. So should I just get into the recap and we'll go from there? Let's do it. Okay. So again, this movie is a sequel. It is the second installment in the original live action trilogy. So I'll just give a really quick recap of the first movie from 1990, Mm -hmm. where we meet the four turtles, Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, and Raphael, as well as their mentor slash father figure, a giant rat named Splinter. We learn about their backstory. They had come into contact with radioactive ooze from a canister as baby animals 15 years prior which made them human-sized, and it made them able to talk and have complex thoughts and feelings. And in in the case of the reboot movies, the Megan Fox movies, made them some of the scariest-looking computer-generated characters ever (laughs) committed to film. Yeah. And I also think it changed... Those movies changed their backstory. It made them, like, aliens or something. Am I... I haven't seen them, but I remember that being... There was a lot of outcry about that. Remember when we had time to be upset about things like that? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so Splinter taught the turtles ninjutsu. And then throughout the movie, they eat pizza. They rescue and befriend news reporter April O'Neil. They fight the bad guys who are the Foot Clan and their leader, Shredder. The turtles win, and it seems like they've defeated and killed Shredder at the end of the movie. So Secret of the Ooze picks up basically right after that. We open on shots of New York City. Ever heard of it? (laughs) Where everyone is eating pizza. We meet Kino, played by Ernie Reyes Jr. He's a pizza delivery guy who heads out to deliver an order for April O'Neil. But not before body shaming a girl. Yes. Before jumping on his... You're just like, whoa! I... Unfortunately, it doesn't generally stay at that vibration for the whole movie. But it True. was a wild first dialogue exchange. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So he's out to deliver this pizza. But on the way, he discovers a bunch of criminals stealing electronics. He 
fights them because he also has martial arts training. But there are too many of these criminals. But don't worry, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show up and save the day. Woo! The turtles head back to April O'Neil's apartment. We see her on screen for the first time. She's played by Paige Turco in this movie. She's also, yeah, she's played by a different person than the last movie. Correct. I could not find out why she got recast. I found I found something there. Oh, okay. All right. Basically, it was the director of the previous movie. I don't know if the first and second movies are directed by the same person, but I think it's different people. They basically claimed that uh she was difficult. Uh says oh. Turco replaced Judith Hogue for this film and the fall uh and the following film. According to Hogue, she was not approached to reprise the role because the producers thought she complained too much during the first movie. Oh. So um yeah, women <laughs> be getting labeled as difficult and uh losing jobs so hmm. what a thrilling tale never heard that one before <laughs> so this april is played by Paige turco they go to her apartment where the turtles and splinter are staying because they can't go back to the sewer right now because the foot knows where they live mm-hmm. then we cut to a landfill shredder survived Then we cut to a junkyard where what's left of the Foot Clan regroups. Mm -hmm. We see Shredder's right-hand man, Tatsu. He's throwing a fit. But then Shredder shows up, played by Francois Chow. He shows up. He's hungry for revenge. And he wants to find and destroy the turtles. Yeah. Then we meet Professor Jordan Perry, played by David Warner A.K.A. Lovejoy from Titanic. I know. I was so thrilled. Yep. I don't think I, I once once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. I don't know if I would have gotten there on my own. So because I saw this movie a bazillion times before Titanic came out, when Titanic came out, I was like, oh, my God, it's the professor from <gasps> Secret of the Ooze. Wow. The director of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 would be so thrilled to hear that. I'm sure. <laughs> Um, Okay, so the professor is helping with cleanup of toxic chemicals from a company called TGRI. April interviews him for the news. She's suspicious. She senses something is going on with TGRI, especially because this toxic waste seems to be mutating things nearby. Like we see these huge mutated dandelions. And Shredder gets wind of this toxic waste and wonders if he might be able to use it against his enemies. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Splinter reveals that the radioactive material that mutated the turtles when they were babies was the same toxic waste from TGRI. So it's all connected. So the turtles go to TGRI to investigate, but the foot also shows up and steals the one remaining canister of ooze. Which is what everyone calls it. Deus ex ooze (laughs) situations in this movie. Sometimes you're just like, what's happening? And then you're like, okay, the ooze is back. I'm assuming that things are back on track. As long as you can keep your eye on the ooze, you can sort of figure out what's going on. The ooze is kind of the like connective glue, so to speak, that really holds this movie together. Classic ooze. (laughs) So they've also kidnapped the professor, the foot has who Shredder forces to administer the ooze to a couple of dangerous creatures, but we don't know what exactly. We have yet to get a big reveal. 
then Kino shows back up to April O'Neil's place because he had seen the turtles in that first sequence and he's like, what's going on? What are these turtles all about? So he wants more information. He discovers them there. He tells them that the Foot Clan is recruiting, especially teenagers with martial arts experience. And he's like, sure. oh, if I get recruited, we can like find their headquarters and then take them down. But Splinter's like, no, that's too dangerous. Then the turtles go back to the sewer to try to find a spot to live. They find an abandoned subway station. But Raphael is pissed, I think because they're like not doing anything to try to get the ooze back from the foot. So he storms off. He does this a lot because he also does this in the first movie. <laughs> oh, does he? Okay, that's yeah. good to know. I do appreciate how this very New York movie even when you're in the world of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's so elevated. It's still really hard to find an apartment. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? Like, that's that's a level of realism I wasn't anticipating. Mm-hmm. Okay, so meanwhile, the creatures that the professor had mutated are ready for their big debut. It is a giant mutant wolf and snapping turtle. Toka and Razor. I love them. They're great. <laughs> they're amazing. They're like, Mama. Right. Because they're babies. They're babies. <laughs> they're babies. I used to scream that around my house as a kid all the time. It's so funny. It's so funny and sweet. And I feel like it, without trying to, accidentally comments on the born sexy yesterday trope <laughs> where it's like something that comes out that's supposed to be very fully formed and then it's like goo goo gaga you're like oh mm -hmm. yeah it's a baby that's how that would work <laughs> right yeah right. so they're not very cognitively developed but they are strong and still dangerous so kino who has linked up with Raphael gets recruited into the foot so the Kino can learn their secrets and double cross them. Mm -hmm. But then the foot clan kidnaps Raphael. So the other turtles go to the junkyard to rescue him, but Shredder springs a trap. There's a big fight. Shredder unleashes Toka and Razar, and the turtles are no match for them. So they run away and they bring the professor with them who gets to work on developing an antidote to unmutate Toka and Razar, mm. which the professor reveals those animals will have to ingest. So the turtles have the idea to put the antidote into donuts <laughs> and feed those to Toka and Razar. Mm -hmm. So that night, the turtles go back to the junkyard for the big fight. There's so many fights in this movie. It's, it's very <laughs> exciting. Truly. They feed the donuts to Toka and Razar, but another fight breaks out. And as they're fighting, they crash into a nightclub where Vanilla Ice is performing. <laughs> Woohoo! Which in, in 1992 New York, that also is very possible. True. So Vanilla Ice is, you know, rapping. Whatever then... it is they do. <laughs> <laughs> right and then everyone at the club is watching this fight happen so then vanilla ice improvises one of the best songs of all time ninja rap and then at one point the turtles burst out into a choreographed dance which i later learned and performed as well who could, bl who could blame you 
th- but then Shredder bursts in. He drinks a vial of ooze, which not only makes him bigger and stronger, but it also mutates his outfit and makes it spikier. <laughs> I liked that. Yeah, it's really good. There's so many things I about this movie that as a kid, I did not question for a second. And then mm-hmm. as an adult, I'm like, why did the ooze mutate his spikes? I don't know. His outfit. I mean, <laughs> it, it stands to reason. I didn't ask. I honestly didn't ask that question. And I'm almost okay. 30 years old. <laughs> so, Okay, so the turtles are trying to fight Super Shredder which I also had a toy of as a kid, brag. They're on a dock now, and Super Shredder is just like tearing everything down around him, and he ends up getting crushed when the whole thing collapses. But the turtles avoid getting crushed because they are like, we're turtles, we can jump in the water. (laughs) And then the movie ends with the turtles back at their new home, and Splinter says go ninja go ninja go and then freeze frame and the movie's over after 81 minutes on the half a flip (laughs) incredible every movie should do this yes including the freeze frame on a mid flip that is how the robert pattinson batman movie should have ended uh (laughs) go batman go batman go (laughs) flip directed by matt i don't know who knows what his last name could be anything matt the movie doubt should have ended no not the movie. Oh, no. Meryl's doing half a flip. Freeze frame. Go, sister Aloysius. Go, sister Aloysius. Go. <laughs> flip. Oh my god. Oh, we haven't brought up doubt in a while. Yeah, it's I. I've found that it tends to bring down the mood of any discussion that we're having. Well, but I would love to see Meryl do a flip as Sister Aloysius, but only as Sister Aloysius. I'm not interested in it. Yeah. In any other character of hers. Mm, Actually, no. maybe, maybe what's her name? The devil who wore Prada. I would, I would oh, love okay. that. Miranda Priestley. Is who yeah. Yeah. I'll allow it. I thought it was a very satisfying ending. Yes. Um, let's take a quick break and then we will come right back to discuss. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. And we're back. Where should we begin? <laughs> well, I'll let I'll let you guys steer. Oh my gosh, Carlos, does anything jump out to you as a good place to start as the resident PhD haver? <laughs> I feel so I feel so inadequate next to you, but with only my measly master's degree, um... <laughs> I'm gonna be like you. Be like, I have a PhD. I don't like to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. I think just talking quickly about um, some of the parallels between the the first movie and the second movie, because um, as you were giving the recap, I realized that Raphael is in trouble in both movies. So he goes out by himself, gets beat up and left for dead in the first one, and then ends up getting kidnapped and tied to a big pole in this one. Yeah, it's like, yes. Sir, can you learn your lesson and not go out by yourself? <laughs> Honestly, I wrote down for when the way that Raphael, I, he looks like Kirsten Dunst in the spider web at the peak of Spider-Man 2. Where it's just oh, like, yeah. well, I guess he's not going to be allowed to participate in this in this scrap. It was fun. But then he is because then he's he is, unlike a, Kirsten a Dunst, turtle yeah. and yeah, not a damseled woman. Um, mm-hmm. But on that line of thinking, yeah. Because a lot of the notes I have as they relate to April O'Neil's character, mm-hmm. a lot of it is how her character is treated in the first movie versus the second one. So Ooh, for anyone who hasn't seen the first movie, here are a few things of note that happen in relation to her character. So the first Ninja Turtles movie that came out like one year prior to this one it makes April have to be rescued at least twice by the turtles. So it uh, damsels her and then she has to be rescued twice. During at least one of these rescues, uh, she is hit in the face by some members of the Foot Clan oh uh, multiple times. So she is assaulted quite a bit. Uh, the movie also puts her in a romance with Casey Jones, which I think is like canon to the comics which I never really read but I did watch the animated series as a kid although I don't remember it at all um, I did a little bit of research on it and it seems like she's uh, treated much the same like I think particularly bad in the com- in the original comics where mm-hmm. she's like really like drawn exploitatively and like just someone that people say plot to and then right. it sounds like the animated series attempted to give her a character, but maybe not very well. 
Yeah, so the first movie includes the Casey Jones character. They are put into a like romantic, like a flirtation slash romantic tension, and eventually they kiss at the end. He is a jerk to her the whole time. And then there's also some like not very appropriate for a kid's movie stuff that happens where he gives her a very horny massage at one point where he is first like shoves her down in a chair in a pretty violent way and then he starts to give her a massage in which he is almost like touching her breasts and it's just like why is this happening in this pg movie so basically in this first movie she's damseled battered and treated poorly by her love interest I hate how in the second movie they deal with that by being like, um, let's just not have her be in it that much, question mark. (laughs) Then we can't do anything fucked up to her. Yeah. So in Secret of the Ooze, April doesn't have to be rescued at any point. Some random lady does at the Vanilla Ice concert. But who was that? That was just a random lady who loved Ninja Rap. (laughs) And that's that's also, I mean, not that this excuses it, but that's like a very brief moment. It's not like a super like plot, like none of the plot really revolves around that. No, it's just to the point where it was weird that it was included at all. It was like, right. <laughs> damseling someone we don't know for 30 seconds and then having it be completely fine. And then she also does put a button on the scene by passing out again. Fainting. Because yes. women be fainting. Women be fainting. But to be fair, Kino faints at one point in Kino the movie. Does. So they are giving um, equal, equal opportunity. opportunity. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so April does not have to be rescued. She's not wedged into a relationship with an asshole or anyone, mm-hmm. which also reduces the ways in which she was like over sexualized in the first movie. So we're not really seeing any of that in this sequel. So like you said, Jamie, she just like isn't given a lot to do. I would say her involvement in the story isn't zero because she is investigating tgri but also nothing that she does in this movie has any real bearing on the plot i was just say i think you could take her i mean i know you can't canonically take her out of the franchise but you could take her out of this plot and not much would change which i feel like is such a bizarre like moment i mean i guess moment in feminism in like one particular way where it's like i don't know like that whole third wave thing of like well you can't be mad at us because we gave her a job and it's like well but <laughs> the job she's doing does it have any bearing on what's happening or any decision she makes at all right and and most of the time in her job i was like a little frustrated to see that almost every piece of information she makes she kind of encounters by mistake like we don't get to see her do a lot of investigating it's Mm -hmm. she encounters the plot information she needs by accident and then she's like i knew it and you can tell that like in the early 90s this was like feminism she has a job and and (laughs) there's another little glimpse of that when her boss is like it's ratings week drop this TGRI story, do something really interesting. And then he like hands her a piece of paper and she's like, oh, swimsuits of the 90s. And he's like, yeah, I find that really interesting. And like her reaction, we're supposed to be like, yeah, she doesn't care about, you know, women in swimsuits. She cares about this hard hitting journalism she's doing. But it's like, which is like, she's not enough. (laughs) Right. But then let her do the hard hitting journalism. (laughs) Right. 
Yeah, she could have easily been with Jerry, question mark, her, like, assistant cameraman, assistant person, when he finds the dandelion. Right. Like, she could have easily snuck in with him or it been her by herself and then she tells Jerry and then he tells Shredder. Like, that could have been a moment for her to be more active in the story. Totally. Totally. It felt like she... It's interesting to know that there was all this shoehorned in love interest stuff in the first movie because it felt like in lieu of that they were just like well we're just not going to have her around as much when it's like instead of finding ways to meaningfully include her in the plot when it sounds like canonically she's a great character to have there because she's theoretically an investigator Mm -hmm. bizarre right and on the tale of the first one she's now the highest paid investigative reporter in new york city to afford a two-level apartment after days (laughs) of the her old apartment burning down it's like (laughs) and it's like too bad for new york city because this lady isn't investigating a damn thing (laughs) she's She does yell at the chief of police a lot, and I do appreciate that this movie and the first one, I did not go back and rewatch the third movie because it um, sucks, but uh, these two movies present cops in a way that shows them as being like severely incompetent and never handling things properly mm-hmm. to the point where April says to the police chief, like, yes. she's like, I guess you're not the ones who are going to handle this right after. Like there's a yes. scene where Tokan Rezar like wreak havoc on the city. And the police chief is just like, that's what we do best, not handle <laughs> things. And we're like, woohoo. <laughs> that's pretty cool for a nineties movie. I like that. And I also liked, I'm, I have question for the two experts in the room (laughs) I like how the turtles have this like story that's connected to environmental disaster and that this movie also kind of like the ooze is like this vaguely environmental story is that something Mm -hmm. that happens on the show a lot because I thought that that was really cool I actually don't know it's been such a long time since I've watched the shows um I feel like it was part of that trend in the the early 90s where it's like Captain Planet the Power Rangers the Turtles everyone had the environment and being environmentally conscious on their uh radar um but I'm not sure how um deeply it goes in um turtles canon yeah and then they forgot i'm curious because i i know that this franchise is being rebooted again again mm-hmm. by i think seth rogan yeah that's what i heard and i i would be surprised if that didn't come into the new story because it's like they lend themselves very well to an environmental crisis story that right. hopefully isn't too depressing <laughs> right because their whole origin is we came in contact with toxic waste Mm-hmm. But that was actually a good thing because they turned into these awesome crime fighting martial arts experts. Yeah, it's going to be a very <laughs> like, uh, don't worry, guys. Everything's going to actually be awesome when the environment <laughs> collapses. Yeah, we'll just all turn into these amazing superheroes. Yeah, pizza eating turtles. <laughs> Uh, Another thing about April, even though this movie doesn't foist a romantic relationship on her, the Turtles all have a crush on April, especially Michelangelo, or at least he's the most vocal about it. Mm -hmm. And I just got to think, like, what if you were a grown adult human woman 
and there are these four horny teenagers that all have a big crush on you and then they're all also mutant turtles (laughs) see that's where you lose me (laughs) (laughs) i just it's a it's a weird choice i think but wild but it also feels so of the era yeah to Mm -hmm. do that yes (sighs) it's also interesting because I watched the first one and the second one pretty close back to back to prep for this episode. Mm-hmm. I also watched the third one, which choices. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a scene when um, Master Splinter is kidnapped in the first movie where they come to her door crying. And so it's very much like you are the only adult we can turn to while also mm-hmm. still having this sort of hypersexuality. It's like, we want to bone you, but you're also kind of a mother figure in the first one. <laughs> right. I couldn't tell. I, I settled on Big Sister because I'm like, is she mommy? It made me feel better to think of her as Big Sister. Sorry, can we just pause for a second? Sunny oh, yeah. just got here. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Okay, let, let's uh, We're return. Back Sunny, Sunny might be running back and forth, and uh, <laughs> there's not going to be a way around. <laughs> um, right, so, yeah, she's not mommy, really. Like, Splinter's definitely daddy, mm-hmm. but she's not big sister because they all want to have sex with her. <laughs> Maybe it's like a creepy babysitter kind of thing. It's babysitter. That might be it. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like, she's not, yeah, I agree that she's not exactly mommy, but she does take on this, like, caretaking role for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And she worries about them, but she's clearly not, like, 
into them. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, she wants them out of her apartment. <laughs> She's like, I'm the highest paid journalist in New York City. I'm I'm trying to fuck. All these turtles and a rat are like living here. I love, ugh, imagine her Bumble profile. She's like, we can't go back to my place. Not that it isn't nice, but I just have some things going on right now. There might be right. four strange teenage boys in and out of my apartment at all times. Right. And they're like, oh, okay, unmatch. <laughs> they're like, wait, no, they're turtles. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> well, that doesn't make it any less weird. For the only woman in the movie to be the like caregiver slash person that they all have this like little you know like teen infatuation Mm -hmm. with and then for her to also not really be allowed to do anything narratively significant Mm -hmm. don't love it it sucks and it also i i just i definitely saw the first megan fox ninja turtles movie in theaters because fun fact Mm -hmm. or maybe it was how many teenage I saw the one that came out in like the late 2000s whatever one that was so there there are two there's one from 2014 and there's a sequel to it from 2016 both produced by Michael Bay okay what was the one so. that came out in like 2007 2007 okay, so there was another one so I saw that one okay so there's a computer animated one called TMNT Chris Evans it's yeah. the Chris Evans Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle because yes. I that was my cousin's first date, and I was like her kid cousin, and she's Aww. like, "You're gonna come with me." Oh, you were a little chaperone. Yeah, I was this. I was a baby chaperone. I was like, <laughs> "No kissing while I watch." <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> Creepy. Anyways, I guess all that to say, I know that there are movies that treat April O'Neil much worse than this movie does. Oh no. Well, because I, in the Megan Fox ones in particular, which this one isn't, mm. this is the Sarah Michelle Geller one. Apparently, I don't okay. remember. I mean, all all that to say, like Megan Fox was given the full on Megan Fox treatment of how she was treated in every movie where her oh, body right. was super exploited where she was like given love interests and just all this stuff and it's so frustrating in these franchises that all they need to do is involve more women or less guys that only have one idea because the the only it seems like the only alternative to treat april not horribly is to like reduce her presence which is so not true especially it's Mm -hmm. extra frustrating when it's like in the bones of the character for her to be very useful to any plot involving the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. I know. She's got Uh. contacts. She can make calls. She's probably got people who will tell her things off the record so she can like sneak around and get information. And it's like, no, we're just going to have her chilling in nowhere. Right. And I I don't know if like the, the, you know, this property's logic is, well, she doesn't have martial arts training and therefore she can't participate in the action scenes. But it's like, well, then that's all the more reason to give her other things to do. Right. Yeah, there's so much surface world stuff she could be doing, like dealing with uh, the police. She could be dealing with any of these business owners. Does no one have security cameras that she can like <laughs> steal the footage and use in her reports? Like, Right, because that's the other thing. They have to like stay in the shadows because they're human-sized turtles which i something okay another thing i really enjoyed about the movie 
is that they don't seem to be making much of an effort to hide in the shadows. It's so <laughs> funny. Like when there there's a computer sequence that is so computers, it made me laugh so much where they're oh like gosh, yeah. a computer in it. <laughs> like and they're they're such they're so goofy. Yeah. But they're like theoretically they snuck in there and they're screaming. They're so loud and mm -hmm. they're huge turtles <laughs> and they just are making no effort to conceal themselves, which is sort of what is being said to them at the end of the movie where they're like yeah yeah we're so discreet like i just uh, it's so funny yeah and then splinter's like he holds up the what made the newspaper <laughs> a photo of them dancing to ninja rap and he's like try harder okay you're telling me that would be front page news if four <laughs> human-sized turtles started dancing in public and then like right? almost killed people that mm -hmm. would be front page news. Mm -hmm. Correct. That's a documentary. Yes. <laughs> right. The thing that was jarring watching them back to back is in the first one, when her boss and his son come over, they hide so well. Yes. For the most part. <laughs> one of them is caught under the table, but then is immediately gone to watch this right after. Why is your foot there for Kino to step on? Like, okay. you lost all of your ninja <laughs> skills. So, so they can do it. Like, but yeah. sometimes they just don't. And it's really funny. That scene that you're referring to, Carlos. So there's a scene where... Kino shows up to April's apartment because he's like, something's going on. These I saw these turtles and I want to know more about it. He shows up. He shows up under the guise of like, I've brought you a pizza. And she's like, well, I didn't order a pizza. And he's like, that's okay. I'll just come in. So he comes in uninvited. He's like, what are these doing here? Referring to the nunchucks. And then rather than April being like, who are you? Please get out of my house you're trespassing. What's it to you what these nunchucks are doing here? She can sense he's an important side character in the film. <laughs> so she doesn't kick him out. But she's like just being really defensive about like, these are my nunchucks. Look at me practicing them. And it's just like, you can you can just tell this stranger who's intruding onto your property to you leave. Need to go. <laughs> like in another movie that is the setup for a horror a lifetime movie that a thriller <laughs> that's the beginning of funny games like right? when you oh just God, let a stranger no. into your home and then kino's oh. holding her hostage and it's the scariest thing i've ever seen yeah god i don't know why i just conjured that movie it's so scary i'm impressed yeah that was a choice jamie <laughs> sorry <laughs> Which uh, on the tail end of the first movie, because this is days later, like Shredder yeah. is in the garbage at the end of the first one. He's found in the dump like a day, maybe two days later. Like, right. She should be very reticent and fearful of random people coming to her door trying to find her. Like, right. Her house was just burned down and her dad's shop. And she got, I know we're talking about the second one. We're talking about the second right. one. No, but, but like, she, like in the first movie, she's like. Wait, her dad was shot? No, he had a shop and it was burned down. Oh, she kept I, it open for him. That's still pretty bad. <laughs> but yeah, no, Yikes. in the first one, she's assaulted by the foot and then later kidnapped. Or I forget exactly all what happens, but like she, like multiple times, she's in these dangerous situations. And then yeah, in this in this one, she's just like, uh, come on in, pizza guy. These are my nunchucks, and show yourself around. It's totally fine." So 
yeah, that was um, bizarre. I guess it would make sense if you had four ninja turtles in your apartment. Maybe you wouldn't be scared of one dude at the door. Maybe. Right. <laughs> but even I'm it's, just still like, no, like self-preservation. Where is it? That's why it's like, I, I feel like April is like treated like such a plot character that in moments like that where it's like well she just needs to behave however the plot needs her to behave in order for this movie to be 81 minutes long mm-hmm. where it's like <laughs> we've got minutes to play around with she doesn't have to be thrilled about this right <laughs> uh, it's frustrating i was interested to learn about the the actor who plays kino i i, I wasn't familiar with him but apparently i'm very familiar with his work because he's like a famous stunt performer Mm. who's been doing stunts since he was a child so he was donatello's stuntman in the first tmnt and then he was just upgraded to human character (laughs) in the second one which is kind of fun Mm -hmm. and then he's done a he did stunt work in avatar he did stunt work in tim burton alice in wonderland like he's just he's kind of a legend he hosted a a reality show on mtv in 2009 who didn't what (laughs) it was it was about stuntmen it wasn't about he wasn't totally (laughs) random but like he's just been in goddamn everything he was in the really bad shia labeouf indiana jones Mm. you know i just was so thrilled to to learn about learn about him if nothing else kino's character is a little all over the place yeah although i did like that he was given a fully realized arc i wish april had had a similar Mm -hmm. treatment by the movie sure it'd be nice also when i watched this movie for the first time to prep for this episode i watched it with friend of the cast sammy junio and i was also talking about this movie with another friend and they both said the exact same thing which is that kino in this movie again played by ernie reyes jr along with Rufio from the movie Hook, played by Dante Basco, are the only two examples of Filipino representation they saw in kids' media or just, like, media in general growing up. Wow. So, like, yeah. That is um, that's so bleak. And also, I'm very glad that Ernie Reyes Jr. is in this part. Mm-hmm. Which might be a smooth transition to... Uh, another topic of conversation which is the representation of asian people and culture in this movie where to begin well um so the two main bad guys who like have names and are in leadership positions shredder and his like second in command tatsu are canonically japanese characters like in the comics and they get some more backs especially shredder gets backstory mm-hmm. in the first movie he's from japan so there's that there are aspects of japanese culture attributed to the good guys mm-hmm. in that the turtles study and practice ninjutsu splinter grew up in japan also splinter speaks with a japanese accent although i believe that he's voiced by an american puppeteer and a very controversial one at that right and then also these characters the turtles and splinter are not visually japanese human beings Mm -hmm. because they're turtles and a rat right and yes you said jamie the actor who voices splinter 
is a black actor named Kevin Clash, who is also the voice actor and puppeteer of Elmo. I don't know any other information about him, so if you have... I can give you a very... It's a very... uh, difficult uh story but basically he yeah he he was a famous puppeteer one of the most prominent black puppeteers in the world he was elmo for a long time and um then was made to resign as elmo because there were a lot of allegations of him Mm. having uh sex with underage teenagers and so yep uh, there's there's a lot. It was a huge story ten years ago, and I feel like no one really talks about it anymore. He has since begun working again. There's been a lot of conversation around the topic that I have not kept up with, mm. but definitely a massive fall from grace from a very well respected puppeteer. Ugh. As far as it's relevant to this conversation, uh. He's not an Asian actor putting on a very, very stereotypical, mm-hmm. you know, tropey accent. Correct. Um, is this, uh, do we know if Splinter, also Teenage Mutant Ninja Tur- Turtles are canonically written by two white guys from New England, are they not? Like, yes. So the sor- <laughs> the well is poisoned from the very <laughs> beginning. Uh, don't let two white guys from New England do literally anything. How has history <laughs> taught us nothing? Like, why would you... Wall burgers? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Bad idea. Never do it. Um, but yes, no, I will... I will. Uh, Caitlin, I'll send you some links to okay. the conversation around Kevin Clash because yeah. I am not an authority in it, but I do remember that. Uh, Splinter. It was, is Splinter canonically based on Mr. Miyagi? That was what I was picking up on, but I also don't know, like, the timeline of that because the same tropes are present in that character it feels like right karate kid came out in 84 and the first issue of teenage mutant ninja turtles the comic because that was like the source material the original Mm -hmm. source of everything also was published in oh my gosh carlos is holding (gasps) up you have it the issue wow Um, it was also published in 84 so i think it's just sort of like similar concepts happening at the exact same time not one based on the other i would guess but so two white guys doing the same offensive thing in the same calendar year shocking Mm -hmm. so in conclusion most of the east asian human beings again because you have to uh differentiate that from like the rat the people the japanese characters are bad guys and in addition to that there's just a lot of stereotypes of east asian and japanese culture specifically being used there's also that sort of like all east asian people know martial arts is something that's being (laughs) telegraphed Mm -hmm. and then i feel like the turtles are coded white especially in contrast to the very stereotypical asian villains Mm -hmm. so are they they're all voiced by white actors is that correct i was having trouble fact checking i think that for the most part that is true I th- and then there's also some differentiation in who was voice acting some of the characters from the first movie to the second one I think mm-hmm. two of the ac- voice actors got recast in Secret of the Ooze I oh wait Brian Tochi though Brian Tochi voices Leonardo and I believe he is 
Japanese. Right. Yes. Okay. So IMDb is tricky because it's like this actor as Leonardo, but like in the suit. And then it's this different actor mm-hmm. as Leonardo as the voice. As the voice. Right. So it's like, I'm trying to figure out all, all this. I was just thinking voice because that is right how they're personalities are telegraphed right no disrespect to the to the suit performers i would not want to do that job yeah Uh. the the voice actors are primarily white and with the exception i believe of brian tochi who voices Mm -hmm. leonardo right and kevin clash who is a black actor but doing Doing... an offensive asian right accent my head hurts (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot going on. The movie stereotypes and demonizes Asian people in a very harmful way. Mm. It's borrowing elements from Japanese culture like ninjutsu and basically saying like when the white coded characters do it, it's good and it saves the day. Mm. But when the Japanese characters do this thing from their own culture, it's bad. So there's a lot of fuckery happening there yeah and they're sort of bringing in lots of white youth to be the foot clan and so across Mm. both movies a lot of the foot are drawn from um, runaways in new york city and so one would expect there to be more diversity especially along gender lines in the foot given that a good number of uh, runaways are uh, girls mm. um, they are across all races all sexualities but it is a very kind of prototypical largely white mass and so you've got these asian bad guys seducing these young white kids mm. into lives of crime mm-hmm. and deviance in uh, mm. both movies more clearly set up in the first one but the sort of trails are uh, well established in the second one right and and it is so and it this like tmnt was certainly not happening in a void where i feel like american culture in general was very permissive and actively encouraging these sorts of huge glossed over generalizations about east asian culture to happen throughout the 80s and 90s and into now but i feel like it was especially popular around this time and largely written directed and acted by white guys yeah mm-hmm. i also i thought i don't even know how i feel toka and razor i mean they're just they're babies uh-huh. but they're voiced by the guy who did scooby-doo which oh, i was like okay <laughs> i just love i i hope i i don't know anything about his politics or anything like that <laughs> but i just love uh frank welker who's like still alive he's in his 70s like started doing i think we've talked about him on the show before because he's the voice of literally everything famous ever he started doing voices when he was like in his early 20s and he's been every famous cartoon character that isn't played by like tom kenny you know like Uh he's he's literally scooby-doo anyways (laughs) he's garfield which begs the question he's megatron where's our scooby-doo episode he's everyone (laughs) he's Sorry. Okay. Sorry. I just my Frank Welker fandom. No, <laughs> popped out, and to find out he's also Toka and Razor. I mean, he's the Alfred Molina of the vocal cords. So versatile. So versatile. He can be dogs and <laughs> alligators. <laughs> he's a snapping turtle and a wolf. The range. Um, <laughs> the range. <laughs> okay. So another thing along these lines is the april o'neill character 
And there's some controversy around this because of some kind of ambiguity. Mm-hmm. But she is thought by many to have originally been in the comics a black woman. Oh. Which is something that is difficult to discern because the interiors of the comic books are black and white. But on the cover of, I think, like the 11th issue of the comic depicts April O'Neil as a light-skinned woman of color with black curly hair. But then when that issue was reprinted later, she then appears as a white woman with red hair. So people were like, this character is being whitewashed because this happened in... 86 when this was reprinted i believe so when asked about this by the co-creators kevin eastman said that april was quote originally created as an asian character in pete's notes referring to peter laird the other creator so originally created as an asian character in pete's notes but named after an african-american woman i once knew and then peter laird says It depends on which co-creator of the TMNT you ask. If you ask me, I always saw April O'Neil as white. If you ask Kevin, I suspect he would say, as he has in a number of interviews, that she was of mixed race, much like his former girlfriend, April. Say less. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So we have... So Carlos is showing us an image from... What is this from exactly? So this is from a colorized version um, of the graphic novel that compiled the uh, original issues together in color. Okay. Um, so I can post this and give you the, the information. Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, book two, first graphic novel number 10, um, mm. copyright 1987 Mirage Comics. So the originals were like this, mm-hmm. and then they did a, a colored issue um, full color deluxe format. The graphic novel became an instant bestseller. Um, Got it. So the image you just showed us depicts April O'Neil as a light skinned black woman. But then if you look at the first, uh, so each version of her is different. So you, she looks more kind of like the character from this movie that we're discussing here. Mm-hmm. Um, also sort of mixed. And then you have her again, looking again, very different, but more sort of the, image of april o'neill that we've come to sort of know and expect yes okay so i i don't know much about the history of teenage mutant ninja turtles but i do know quite a bit about the history of uh women in comics and this is something that comes up again and again and again in the history of comics of characters that were originally black women later being whitewashed once the franchise becomes popular i believe a similar thing happened to betty boop way back in the day and Mm. this is and i think in the case of betty boob and april o'neill it's a little complicated by the fact that the character from the jump was heavily sexualized which is something that uh, affects women of color in all areas but but in Mm -hmm. you know certainly in animation as well and april o'neill and betty boob are two heavily sexualized and eventually whitewashed characters it's just Mm -hmm. it's so frustrating that and and you know and who are who is at the top of those comics it's always white White men Mm -hmm. yeah so it's just it's really just continued frustrating pattern i didn't realize that it happened in this 
case as well. And then, you know, of course, in this era and and, in all eras before, when black women were working in animation, they were underpaid, unacknowledged, or never hired. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, And then as it, you know, pertains to right now, even you know black women who were very successful in animation are completely erased from its history and you don't learn that much about them Mm -hmm. sorry that was a little cast side rant but uh (laughs) if anyone uh wants to uh learn about an amazing historical and by that i mean she she's dead uh, but mm-hmm. an amazing black woman who blazed so many trails in cartooning. Jackie Orms is so awesome. Cool. And I recommend that everyone learn more about her. That's so frustrating. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now I'm all pissed off. <laughs> yeah, that is something. And of course, in this movie, she is a white character played by a white actor. And I think... I would guess, and Carlos, you might, you probably know more about this than me, but after that, maybe like first string of issues in the comics, she was only depicted as a white woman from then on, like in the animated series. I don't know if she was ever made into an action figure. I don't remember having an April O'Neil action figure, but mm-hmm. like much the same way that when like the newest Star Wars trilogy came out and like Ray was the protagonist of those movies and like those toy companies were like, well, why would we have an action figure of Ray? Cause she's a woman, you know, like, right. Again, I'm kind of speculating here, but like, I don't know if there were April action figures, all this to say that most of the renditions of her post those like kind of original string of issues of the comic depict her as a white woman. And I would say that the turtles are, also again i think perceived as like white coded characters even though they're turtles because i think in at least of the um feature films post this trilogy all of the voice actors who voice the turtle characters are all white actors cementing that kind of coding well and it's another i am saying that there were some april action figures but i think that that's like again Mm. further complicated by the fact that she's by the way her character is written she's not included in the action so it's like oh well why would we make an action figure for someone who is canonically excluded from all action it's (laughs) and and also the like the i don't know the the trope of like the sexy woman journalist felt felt also very prevalent Mm -hmm. during this time and in animation in particular where Mm -hmm. again it's just like such a it's not even a half step it's a whatever two percent step because it's like well but she has a job you know (laughs) she's not married but it's like but she's not there to do journalism you know like she's not there to do what you're saying she's there to do and so Mm -hmm. oh pee pee poo poo (laughs) Um, I'm pretty sure the cartoon up until maybe uh, this movie a little bit and the revivals with the cartoons on Nickelodeon, Mm -hmm. I think most people, when they think April O'Neil, they think the yellow jumpsuit um, from her from the cartoon in 87, Mm -hmm. um, which white women, that's where um, a lot of the action figures sort of began, was based off of the show. So there's like the the van they had and all of them with their their tools and toys. I'm not sure how uh, much she was involved in the show because I don't 
It's been right. 30 years. I know, I, I don't remember it either. It's been 84 years. It's been 84 years. 84 and I can years. still hear the original commercials. So it's uh, definitely ingrained that, like, she's a redhead. She wears the yellow jacket, which is right. why I think some people were reticent with... Um, Aside from, like, the sexism that we love to throw at Megan Fox um, then and now to a certain degree, Mm -hmm. was just like, oh, she's not the right fit for the character. I'm like, she can be a badass and do badass things. Why why is she not a good fit? Can she stand in front of a mic and talk into it? Yeah, I think she could do the job, Um, especially given the material that she's given to work with. Um, In this film, I don't remember the the recent one to to comment. Were people saying, like, Megan Fox is, like, too sexy for yes the april okay which is like oh my god the standards but it's also saying it in the way that it's like i i went back to read some of the coverage from 2014 and it made me want to be i i was just like oh my god this is like not even 10 years ago and this you could just write you could just write this down (laughs) yeah the tone of all of that reporting was very like you know making it seem like it was megan fox's fault that she was framed and written in the way that she was when it's like megan fox by all accounts was really into teenage mutant ninja turtles and really liked like nerdy stuff liked transformers and it's like yeah so she's she's coming to the project from an honest place and it's the fucking culture that treats her the way it does but all of the 2014 coverage was like Megan Fox ruins this movie and she was, you know, nominated for Razzies and like just all that shit mm. that is just like, huh. she was doing all she could with what she was given. And anytime she said anything about it, she would get fired. Like <sighs> Steven Spielberg fired her for insulting Michael Bay, the most insultable person of all time. It's just, <laughs> yay. Well, that is terrible. Uh, does anyone have any other thoughts about the movie? I want a spinoff series for April O'Neil where she can really get into the New York City. Uh, I want a version that is like April O'Neil with the turtles as her like investigative assistants and they're busting mm. shit wide open and she's delegating to them and she's training <laughs> them to be turtle journalists. <laughs> wow. Turtleists, <laughs> turtleists, and they and they solve the environmental crisis and save the world. That's the rearranged pieces I want from this. Oh my goodness! I mean, you know, there's corruption in the police department in City Hall that is ripe, ripe for the picking right? with the turtles and their access. Mm-hmm. The turtles can, yeah, they can break into anything. They can get her the information she needs, and then she she cracks it wide open and. The NYPD is abolished. Right. And that's how it ends. I love this. Yes. They're defunded completely. They have so much fucking money. <laughs> I know that's not what we're talking billions about. Billions of but dollars. But they have so much money. Huh. Too much money. It's upsetting. Not when April's on the case. Um, one last question. Which turtle do you most identify with? Carlos, you you start. I was hoping this would be a question because I was like, hmm, who do I think Caitlin and Jamie are? And I was like, oh. and who am I? <laughs> yeah, who do you think you are? As a teenager, I was definitely Raphael. Oh. I had a lot of anger issues that I had to process and work through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm better now. Therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend it to my students. I'm like, you should go to therapy. It's good for you. Mm-hmm. Um probably 
Leonardo with like a bit of Donatello because um, I do have a PhD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he's like become the nerd element of the turtles. Donatello. Um, so yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So probably a bit of Leo, a bit of Donatello. Mm. Jamie, any thoughts? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> you guys are you guys are gonna have to tell me which oh, one. I okay. Am. Ooh. Part of me wants to say Michelangelo. Yes. But I also identify with Michelangelo because he makes a lot of movie references and he loves movies. Okay. But then there's also uh, Raphael. I don't know. I, I love his hard his hard shell, if you will. His, uh, <laughs> his hardened exterior. You know, he's got an attitude problem, but I kind of admire it. So I don't know. Maybe I'm Raphael and Jamie, you're Michelangelo. Okay, I'm on a medium.com article I have not vetted, but they're saying that Michelangelo is Ringo Starr, which is always what I'm going for. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Well, I did a lot of, uh, I had to think very carefully about yes. which character mapped on to which Sex in the City character. Mm. Um, Carrie is Leonardo because they're both like the leaders of the group who's a question mark mm-hmm. Raphael is Miranda Michelangelo is Samantha because they're both the horniest ones <laughs> and then Charlotte is Donatello because they're kind of I don't know what is Charlotte's personality besides being boring <laughs> the George no offense That's, wow okay <laughs> We don't have time. We don't have time. <laughs> Charlotte's complicated. <laughs> I was definitely going to give um, Michelangelo to both of you a bit, but um, I was also going to have Donatello get a little bit to Jamie because the research that went into my year in Mensa, Atcast, uh, Lolita podcast, just like the journalistic brain and just like Jamie's context corner is always on point, like um, sort of very intellectual in a really fun way, uh, sort of the Michelangelo of it. And then I was going to say Leonardo for you because you're sort of like the leader, you sort of in charge running the show for a little me? bit. Ooh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. And you have shorter hair than me, so it follows the rule. Of the baldest, baldest woman, woman in charge. In charge. Mm-hmm. Baldest woman in charge. Wow. <laughs> oh, it's been a while since I've heard that one. I know. Unfortunately, you can't really apply it to this series because you need to have two women for the rule to even come into operation. <laughs> yep. The yep. baldest turtle is also not in charge because they're all equal amounts of they're bald. All equal. <laughs> uh, how many nipples does a turtle have? Turtle facts with Caitlin. The answer is zero because oh. they're reptiles. Oh. <laughs> I was well, once applying a single microsecond of thought that makes a lot of sense. Um, does this movie pass the Bechtel test? No, right? No. No. Hard no. There's no women for her to talk to. <laughs> nope. Except for that one woman at the club who uh, gets um, kind of held hostage by Shredder for two seconds. And her neighbor who she doesn't talk to in the beginning because she's too busy being engaged with by her boyfriend, husband, and he like takes her keys to let her in the building. It's like, I think she would have gotten it together. <laughs> Like she would have been fine, right? I feel yeah. like that's the only other woman in this story with a speaking role, and she's only on screen for thirty seconds. No name, no and relevance. she doesn't talk to April. Yeah, definitely doesn't pass the Bechdel test. What about our nipple scale, though? Zero to five nipples, Ooh. based on 
examining the movie through an intersectional feminist lens. I would give this a half nipple. Yeah, that feels right. Because it, I guess, arguably, it treats the one woman in the entire story better than she was treated one year earlier in the first movie. But it's not as though that improvement is very significant because it still does not give her really any narrative bearing on the plot. And she could just be replaced by her own apartment and because they really only... Uh, God, that's bleak. (laughs) So that's a big bummer. But I like her as a character. The fact that she like stands up to the chief of police. She stands Mm -hmm. up to her boss. She stands up to her boss in the first movie too. She's like not afraid to speak out and advocate for herself. And she's like strong and empowered in that way. Unfortunately, it doesn't really have much impact on the larger narrative, Mm -hmm. but I think she is a character to be admired if you just like isolate certain aspects of her character. So that's cool. But between like her very minimal actual involvement in the story and the way this movie demonizes and stereotypes Japanese characters is despicable. So half nipple. And I'll give the nipple to Toka and Rezar when they get turned back into their little animals. Babies. They're just babies. They're babies. (laughs) Wait, no. They get an honorable mention, but my half nipple goes to Ninja Rap, the song, and dance. (laughs) Oh, that's fair. Ninja. Ninja Ninja Rap. rap. (laughs) And I'm like, and you're telling me he improvised this? There's three words in the song. Uh, Because the scene goes on for a while. That fight Uh, sequence goes on for like, probably like six minutes or so. And Vanilla Ice is singing the whole time. And if you really pay attention, he's just repeating the lyrics over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that was, I think, about where his skills tapped out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, half nipple, vanilla ices, ninja rap. <laughs> I'm also going to go with a half nipple, um, for all the reasons you described, Caitlin. I mean, and, and it was really, thank you both for giving me the context of the, um, origins of April. The more I learn about this character, the more I'm like, this is a character that had so much potential and has never been seen through to that potential because it just the curse of the late 20th century and five trillion white guys being in control of how she's perceived but like on her face such a fascinating character that could have brought more diversity to the series and then they actively chose not to do it Mm -hmm. always really frustrating the treatment of east asian culture is so just atrocious and also very on par it feels like with how east asian culture was treated i mean i don't want to like it's you can't even really specifically pull tmnt as especially bad like it this was just how Mm -hmm. western culture treated east asian characters at this time um for sure we didn't get a chance to talk about it but there was a great essay i read in sci-fi wire that came out i believe just last year by a writer named ariel dean who talked about like TMNT being kind of as close as they could find to East Asian representation when they were growing up in the 90s and how 
frustrating that was, but also how it formed a strong connection with the characters and how that, you know, it's a... Mm -hmm. Pop culture is a motherfucker. It's very complicated and weird. Um, uh-huh. And then you have the babies, and I'm laughing. And then you have they do flips, and I'm laughing. And so it's hard. Uh, but as far as our scale yeah. goes, half nipple for April being there and not being completely abused by the movie, but only because she's not in it. So uh, <laughs> half a nipple, and I will give it to Frank Welker. All right. Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> mm, Scooby Doo. Very nice. Carlos, what about you? Oh, this is tough. I was like, on the Caitlin's Rampa meter, I know I'm going to give it 10 stars. Of like, I know that. Oh, yeah. But the no nipple problem. scale, the mm. nipple scale is hard. <laughs> uh, I mean, story of our lives. <laughs> <laughs> we can't give this film credit for the April O'Neil character, but I know in like the cartoons and in other iterations more currently, she is often aged down. So she's like a teenager, um, sort of still doing investigative stuff and is more active, at least in the Nickelodeon show. Mm-hmm. Um, so the character is treated better in other um properties under this sort of umbrella which is great mm-hmm. but we cannot give this movie <laughs> credit for that um like you said with east asian uh, representations not great like the whole 90s i was thinking about power rangers a lot during our conversation today yeah. i'm sort of doing similar things sort of just copy pasting and then recasting mostly white characters and actors and uh, mostly white city um sort of that piece mm-hmm. the fathers and sons of it all i was waiting for <laughs> oh my gosh oh my right. gosh you didn't even talk about even... that but wait a minute there's uh, the whole splinter's always like my sons and we're like okay yeah God, you're totally <laughs> right the thought fa- the, the movie even tmnt is about fathers and it's about sons it just makes you sick doesn't it <laughs> enough we get it it's hard (laughs) which makes it worse because i watched the first one and i'm like we don't touch april's trauma of losing her like apartment her dad's store that she kept open in his memory like none of her characterization gets to carry over into the next one other than she has money and a better paying job i think i'm talking myself into a lower number of I, th- I think I'm going to go one, um, like uh, Sammy and your other um, friend said in terms of um, Filipino representation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the best, but it was something. This was really sort of formative. Looking back, I'm like, PhD representation? What, what? <laughs> oh, because of the professor? <laughs> Which he would just be called doctor in this research place because it's not a university, but that is a another conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to say <laughs> uh, one nipple uh, for all the reasons you said, but giving it a little extra for um, Filipino representation. Mm-hmm. Um, True. Yeah. Which also, like, it makes the representation of the bad guys a little more complicated because you also have Kino. So it's not as though every Asian character is mm-hmm. a bad guy because also Splinter is like canonically Japanese, but like mm-hmm. there's still the optics of a lot of it is still like really messed up. So it's complicated, yeah. but anyway. <laughs> it's also really more complicated in the third one, which we didn't watch. <laughs> Don't they, oh, no. they travel back in time in, fam- in famous 
third movie of a trilogy fashion. No. The yes. characters time travel oh. and yeah, feudal Japan. Why is that a thing? <laughs> yep. April goes and then they have to go rescue her from the past. Oh, okay. I do. That is fascinating because it's like the first movie is the first movie. The second movie is the first movie a second time. The third movie, they can time travel. <laughs> this, I feel like you could think of 10 movie franchises where this is the case. That is so wild. I've never thought about that before. So Men in Black 3, mm-hmm. it happens. Mm-hmm. Evil Dead. He time travels in the third movie. Oh, yeah. Um, in the third Harry Potter book and movie is, is that the only one that they have the time travel. Thing? Yes. And it's the yes. only one that there's time travel. Wild. Why is that? They never do that in the series of unfortunate events. They're too busy <laughs> rehashing the first book over and over. <laughs> I know there's at least like two or three other examples. So listeners, if you have examples throw them at us but anyway this is this is the new this is the new leo in not sorry not that leonardo not turtle leonardo (laughs) we have to differentiate it's the new leonardo dicaprio in a a body of water wearing clothes. clothed yes yes so oh boy Anyway, Carlos, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. It's been a, a treat. It's been a slice of pizza. <laughs> Cowabunga. <laughs> Cowabunga. A very merry Cowabunga to you, Carlos. Thank you so much for joining us. My Catholic upbringing, when you said Cowabunga to you, I was like, and also with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But though, thank you for having me. This was great. Oh my gosh. Come back anytime. Oh, yay. Please. Where can people check out your stuff, follow you on social media, etc. Yeah, so I am Carlos Creates 2018 on Instagram. Um, I am also um, one of the three co-hosts at play.hype.dialogue on Instagram. And I am revamping my professional website to be both part academic and part uh, consultant uh, creative. Um, mm-hmm. So that's carlosmcamacho.net, but it is a work in progress. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> you know, cowabunga. Cowabunga. <laughs> You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bechtelcast. You can go to patreon.com slash Bechtelcast and subscribe to our Patreon, aka Matreon, where we do two bonus episodes every month. And then you'll also have access to our entire back catalog, uh, which is over 100 bonus episodes. And um, we always forget to say this, but why don't you, um, you know, like us and give us a little, you know, five star, five nipple review. I love how you're like, we we never say this, but why don't you why like don't us? Why don't you like us? <laughs> there, I thought like that was being like... like the verb where you like click a like button. But also, why don't you like us? But also, why don't you like us? What do we ever do We're to so you? cool. We say kawabunga. <laughs> but yeah, write us a, a five nipple review on, you know, Apple Podcasts or whatever your listening platform is. And you can check out our uh, our merch at tpublic.com slash the cast if you are so inclined. Spring's coming. Carlos is wearing a queer icon t-shirt. Why aren't you? Mm-hmm. Get it together. Exactly. Get it together. Folks. Jamie, I feel like we should okay. also briefly just touch on the shirt that you're wearing. I am wearing, I don't even know if it's current. It might be, it might be rare at this point, but I'm wearing, 
a shirt that I co-designed with Super Yaki, who advertises on the show. We love them yes. so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, Alfred Molina could have done it. Yeah. Which is, first of all, a true statement. And also, second of all, today my boss was like, done what? And I was like, Everything. <laughs> Alfred Molina could have been every Ninja Turtle, both voice-wise and all of the stunts. Amen, baby. <laughs> Cowabunga to that. Cowabunga, Alfred Molina. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.